This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. And we're discussing today the Shema. We're talking about the Shema today. Now, a lot of people think mistakenly the Shema is a prayer. It isn't a prayer. Shema is not a prayer in a classic sense because we are not asking for anything. The Shema does not ask for anything. The Shema is not a prayer, but it is a declaration of faith. The Shema is a declaration of faith. We believe that there's only one God. That's a declaration of faith. We believe there's only one God. So the Shema is a declaration of faith. So what's it doing in our prayers? And the answer is, the prayers are structured around the declaration of faith. Which means, before you pray to God, you have to know there's only one. So that's the reason why the Shema is before the Shema Israel. The Shema is there to tell us, who do we believe in? Now that we believe in God, we can pray to Him. So Shema is not a prayer in the ordinary sense of the word. But for thousands of years, it's been part of the prayer service. The Shema is a declaration of faith. We believe in only one God. So why do we say? Let's say it together. Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael does not mean to listen. It means, sorry, not to mean to hear. It means to listen. To understand. To understand. Thank you. To understand. Shema Yisrael means to understand. Who are we talking to? Ourselves. We're talking to ourselves. Exactly. We are talking to ourselves. That we should all... So Shema Yisrael means understand Israel. We're talking to ourselves. We are Israel. God, Hashem, the God, the creator of the world, Elokeinu. Elokeinu means He is our God. What do you mean He's our God? He's the interferer in our lives. He can help me when I need help. Hashem... The creator of the world is Elokeinu, is our God, is a personal God. Hashem did not create and walk away. Hashem created and is involved in our lives. Our God. Hashem, that God is one. There's no two gods. There's not a creator and there's not an interferer. God the creator is also the interferer. God is one. So all one God. We believe in one God. So he said Shema Yisrael is not a prayer. Shema Yisrael is an affirmation of faith. It's not a prayer. We're not asking for anything. It's the first verse in the Torah that children are taught. As soon as children are born and they can start talking, the Shulchan Aruch says, instead of teaching them Daddy, Mommy, we teach them Shema. Shema. Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. That's the first verse that children are taught. It's also the last verse that people should say before they die. The last pasuk on a person's lips. So the first pasuk on a person's lips is Shema Yisrael. And the last verse is Shema Yisrael. Interesting. So it's said on getting up in the morning, and it's said on going to sleep at night. So when you, you wake up in the morning, say, Modayani, say the morning blessings, and then we say Shema Yisrael, because there is a time limit for saying Shema in the mornings. And that time limit is three hours of the day, so it depends when the day starts. Today it's around 9.43. Sorry, 8.43. Sorry, I should, I should ask another hour. Okay. So... Morning starts from sunrise, yes, sunrise. So it is time to say Shema, it's sunrise, ideal time to say Shema. Or just before sunrise, because the Shema Yisrael should be sun, sunrise. So two minutes before sunrise, Shema Yisrael. Today, sunrise? So today, let's just look it up, it's very easy. You just said that uh, it starts with Netzach Hama. Just before Netz. Okay. 6.54 is net. 6.54 today is net. very easy. So Why say 6.53, 6.52, you say Shema, then you say Shema Why would Sephardim be different than Ashkenazim? I'll tell you why. Because when does the day start? When does the day start? You start with dawn or do you start with net, which is sunrise? 
So as far as we say, it starts at dawn. The oh, day starts at dawn. Amud Shachar. Amud Shachar is dawn. Ashnazi say the day starts at nets, which is sunrise. So we started at dawn. Okay, so that's why it's an hour different. So it's a little bit, yeah, sometimes an hour, sometimes less than an hour. Depends on the length of the day. Okay. So the first prayer that children are taught is Shema Yisrael. The last prayer is Shema Yisrael. It is said one is praising God and one is beseeching God. So Shema is said as an affirmation of faith. I believe in God. That's, that's what Shema means. I believe in God. And then we have the mitzvot to do with God, which is you love the Lord your God. Very hard to do. Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Well, why does it say three things? All your heart with... What's all your heart? What's all your heart? So the rabbis explain. With the Yetzirah Tov and the Yetzirah. You can love God with your good inclination, and you have to love God with your bad inclination. Hey, one second. <laughs> I can love God with my good inclination, but how do I love God with my bad inclination? And the answer is, a person has, say, a desire to do something. Make that desire part of a mitzvah. I desire chocolate cake. Okay, just my, my usual gender. I desire chocolate cake, so for Shabbat, buy chocolate cake. Very simple. This way I'm serving God with my Yitzhah. Um, I like beautiful women. I'll go and marry a beautiful wife. I can serve God with, a, with my Yitzhah. A person can serve God with Yitzhah. So you want to go, I want to go on a trip abroad. Okay, so I'll go to Israel. That's why I'm serving God with my Yitzhah. I want to do something, try and push it to the direction of Hashem. Love God with your Yetzirah. Amazing. Amazing concept. To serve God with your Yetzirah. Take the Yetzirah and guide it to serve God. Very good. But it says, you know, I like socializing. So go to Shul and go to Kiddush. That's where you're serving God. And you're, and you're socializing. That's way. It's you, not in the services. Pardon? Just not in the services, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> That's very, very true. Thank you. Don't sir. socialize during, during the service. Okay. But it's very important to serve God using even the wrong motivation. That's what we're saying. Wrong motivation is the answer. So take the wrong motivation and use it to serve God. A child say, I like candies. Okay, we'll give you a candy when you pray. That's why I'm taking your, your evil inclination and using it for good. So it's a very, very powerful concept of taking the bad and using it to serve God. Very, very powerful concept. So love a God with all your heart. That's all your heart. In Hebrew, it's really all your hearts. It's in the plural. Because a person has two hearts. The good inclination and the bad inclination. What do you mean by heart? A heart really is the mind. We have a mind which is pure, and we have a mind which is impure, unfortunately. And we have to serve God with both our hearts, with the good part and the bad part. All your heart, all your soul. How do you serve God with your soul? And the rabbis explain, even if he takes away your soul, a person's got to serve God to the point, we see many Jews over the ages were burned to the stake, and they gave their lives for the sake of God. And that's what it means. Love God with all your heart. Soul. And with all your might. What's your might? The rabbis say your might, meodecha, is all your money. Serve God with your money. You pay your shiva tuition, you're definitely serving God with money. And, you're broke. <laughs> and if you pay your synagogue uh, dues, then you're definitely pay, serving God with your money. And if you're buying kosher food, you're serving God with your money. And if you're uh, buying uh, kosher clothes, for example, shotness testing, whatever it is, you're serving God with your money. So Judaism is full of serving God with your money. So loving God with your heart. Good inclination, bad inclination, all your soul. The truth is that it says it's interesting. Jews are weak. We're weak because we're serving God. What does that mean? You get up early in the morning to pray. You gotta run to the shul, run back to the shul. On top of your hectic day. You gotta go pray and you gotta go learn Torah on top of your hectic day. 
So you're giving part of your soul to God. By going out of the way, adding hours onto your day, you're serving God with your soul. You're serving, giving life, lifeblood to God. So yes. Can I just so when you said that the Yitzhara is it, both are in the heart, I, I heard a pirush, it's a totally wrong, I think it's right, that it's enechah, it's that you, you should have that your life, your eye, your nine, or to your heart, or to your moach, and the moach is where the Yitzhara Tov is. So if the Yitzhara is, you allow your heart to, to run you versus having your mind to run you. Well, there's no heart. I mean, no, the heart doesn't do anything. The heart just pumps blood. The heart is the what mind. Mean our gut? In other words, the heart is the impulses. Well, that's in the mind as well. Everything's in the mind today. We know everything's in the brain. Everything's in the brain. So there's a heart part of the brain. There's two parts of the brain. There's the good part, and the bad part. What do you mean in the brain? I mean the soul. There's a soul, and then there's the body. So you think the soul's in the brain? Of course, no question. Soul is in here, and you can feel it. You don't feel it? There's no gut. There's no gut. There's different parts of souls. Obviously, there's lower parts and higher parts. Exactly. There's nefesh. The nefesh is in the body. The ruach is in the power of speech, and the neshama is in the head. Okay. So there's different parts of the soul. Obviously, uh, the body would... If there's no soul, the body would die, right? So the soul keeps the body alive. Some people have their hands amputated. So they have their hands amputated, but the, tra- the, the soul part is, may still be there. What they call it? They call it... Phantom pain. Phantom, uh, phantom pain. It's amazing. I'm sorry, where is the Ruach? Nefesh is in the body. The Ruach is the power of speech. Oh, power of speech. So it's the power of speech, the power to speak. That means the power of the brain. Because yes, the exactly. It's in the, in the brain as well. Yeah. But there's different levels of the brain. So the yeah. higher level, the lower level. Because the language is in their part. <coughs> right, exactly. So speech is also. The Ruach is the high level, so it's also in the brain. All the high levels are in the brain. So Nefesh is the basic. The truth is that it's not so simple. Because the Nefesh has three parts. Mm-hmm. The Nefesh of the Nefesh, the Ruach of the Nefesh, and the neshama of the red nefesh. Most people, that's what they have. Most people just have a nefesh. They don't have a ruach. They have the ruach of the nefesh. And the neshama of the nefesh. You understand? Mm-hmm. So ne- nefesh itself is, is built in three parts. If you get a ruach, you're very lucky. If you get a neshama, you get prophecy already. Most people don't have a neshama. Most people don't get a neshama. Most people just walk around with a nefesh. And you have three parts of the nefesh. So our job is to fix our nefesh. When you fix your nefesh, Hashem says, I'll give you a, a ruach. When you fix your ruach, I'll give you a neshama. That's, that's the order. We have to keep on filling up the bottle. Like filling up a bottle. Then you get extras. You fill up this bottle, you get another bottle filled. You get another bottle filled. No one, everyone doesn't have neshama? They have neshama of the nefesh. So how do you fill the bottles? By doing good. By being sadikim. By conquering the etzeraz. I can fix my nefesh. But how do you fix a nefesh? It means all my attitude to life, everything I have in my body, I use for good. You fix your nefesh. She says, okay, now you can fix your ruach. How do you fix your ruach? All your speech. Torah, mitzvah. That's your speech. Ruach is the speech. You speak here, right? And your neshama is in your brain. What does it mean? All your thoughts should be holy. You fix the neshama. So you fix all the actions, that's the body. The actions are the body. The words are the ruach. And the thoughts are the neshama. So person can fix them by dedicating them to goodness. You dedicate all these parts to goodness, you fix them, you get another level. So that's why you put the tefillin on the ruach? Twin it on the hand for the actions, and twin it on the heart, which is on the hand and the heart. It's one, two, mm-hmm. and then the, on the head as well. Mm-hmm. So you want God's name. Basically, it's filling out God's names. Inside God's name. You're putting God's name into, on your heart, mm-hmm. which is the hand. Mm-hmm. All the actions and all your emotions should be for God, and your head also should be God. And, it, and hopefully it works. With all that, it's hard.
with all the tefillin and everything, all the mitzvot, it's hard. I was thinking to myself today, what would I do today if I wouldn't be a, a Torah-observant person? I don't know what I'd do. It would be a disaster. It would be a total disaster, a wreck. Why? 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 Because you have nothing to guide you in life. If there's no guide in life, what would you do with your life? Right. So we're very, li- we're very lucky that we have a guide in life. From the day you're born to the day of death, everything is regulated. What am I going to do today? You know, people say, what am I going to do today? Well, I know for sure I'm going to get up in the morning and go to shul. I know for sure I'm going to go pray. I know for sure I'm going to learn Torah. So that's my whole plan. So the plan is out there already. <laughs> people get up in the morning, what am I going to do today? Well, you know, what choices do I have? I've got to pray, I've got to go this, I've got to do this. And it's understood, that's part of the foundation. Once you have a solid foundation, now you can build on that. Okay. So a Jew's, a Jew's life is planned already. In your diary. You got you the first... First, it's true, though. It's true. Right. It gives you structure. What would I do without being Jewish? I don't know. I'd be, I don't know what I'd do. Right. I'd be a disaster. You, you see, a lot of people are disasters today because they have no structure in their lives. They have no guidance in their lives. So they wake up in the morning. What time do I wake up? I can wake up any time I want. Oh, boy. 10 o'clock, 11, 12, 1 in the morning, 1 in the afternoon. People wake up. And then what? I don't know. Watch TV. Nothing, nothing interesting. Internet. Nothing interesting. Malls. There's nothing to do. It's just a boring life. And therefore they go on drugs and they go on alcohol and whatever it goes. They burn themselves up. We are very fortunate. And that's what we say in our prayers. After Ashrei. Baruch Elokeinu Thank God you created us for your greatness. And we have a, we have a purpose in the life. We have, we have a mission in life. So Midrash tells us. A source for Shema Yisrael. What is the Midrashic source for Shema Yisrael? So the Midrash says... Yaakov, our forefather Jacob, was dying. And who was standing around his bed? His sons. His twelve sons. They were standing around his bed. His grandchildren standing around the bed. And he's worried. He's worried if they believe in the same thing that he believes in. He looks around him. And they say, Shema Yisrael. His name is Yisrael. They tell him, listen Israel, our grandfather. Hashem, your God, Elokein was also our God. We believe in the same God as you. Hashem Echad. We believe in one God. When he heard that, he was so happy, he said, Baruch Shem Kevod Machotol Thank God. Thank God for, thank you believe the same way I believe. Thank God that I, my destiny is the same as your destiny. You've adopted my plan. Thank it's God. What? It's a hard thing to say. Baruch Shem Kevod Baruch Shem. Everyone says, Baruch Shem Kevod. Baruch Hashem. It's amazing. But we don't say the full line. That's one source for Shema Yisrael. That's probably the main source for Shema Yisrael. Why do we say Shema Yisrael? The first one to say Shema Yisrael was Yaakov Avinu. Rashi says that when Yosef and Yaakov met, finally in Egypt, when Yosef went to greet his father, Yaakov and Yaakov came on the wagon from Israel. And it says they were, they were hugging each other, and one was on his neck crying. Someone was on his neck crying. Who was crying? So Rashi says, Yosef was crying, and Yaakov was saying, Shema Yisrael. What does that mean? That means all the emotions that he had for Yosef, he used that to praise God. Because it takes all that emotion. Whenever you, have a, whenever you really feel good about yourself, use that moment to praise Hashem. Take all that goodness in your heart. Say, Hashem, thank you so much. And I think the most powerful pasuk is the last line of Tehillim. What is the last line of Tehillim? Kol ha-neshama te'alel ya hallelujah. All the souls should praise God. 
blessed be he. Right? So that's a very powerful, I think the last the last Tehilim, which is 150. Psalm 150. Try and say, when you're happy, praise God. Use that happiness to praise God. It's very, very powerful. Is that why it's put in Shachri? It's, yeah, it's also there, right there. Before the Vaivarach David. Yeah, all those are the last few praises. Interesting. All the last few hallelujahs are right there in Shachri. All the last few praises of the Tehilim. It's like the ending of Tehilim is right there. The ending of Tehilim is all praises. Usually David Abelech is complaining. He's complaining about his life. Hashem, help me in this. My children, my this. This one's rebelling against me. This one's trying to kill me. This one saved me. But the last prayers, all praises. Interesting. David Abelech ends off the book of Psalms with praises of God. Beautiful praises of God. So a person should think, Hashem, I'm praising you. Now also you can add a little bit to that as well. Because when we praise God, the angels praise God. With our praises, we can create angels. People don't realize that. With your praises, you can create angels. A person should think, you know, we say that those who are dead cannot praise God. And not those who go down to hell. Boy, I say two things. There's metim, there's people who are dead, and there's those that go to hell. So who are they? What's the difference between the person who's dead and the person who's, who's in hell? <laughs> What's the difference? So the answer is metim is a person whose soul is dead, has no future. Whose soul was dead? We just read yesterday in the Haftarah. Who can tell me? Let's see who's on the ball. In the yesterday in the Haftarah. What was the Haftarah about yesterday? And? And Avshalom. Shalom. Very good. Avshalom. There's a beautiful question I just saw. Ababa now asked a beautiful question about Avshalom. Thank you, Tom. Ababa now asked a question. It says Avshalom was, was fighting his father. Imagine, he rebelled against his father. He was like the most rebellious son. When the Torah talks, talks about rebellious son, there's only one son in the world who's in that category, but he wasn't really the same age as a rebellious son. It was Avshalom. Avshalom rebelled against his father David. Imagine the King David in his old age. His son has a chutzpah to rebel against his own father. Can you imagine? Rebelling against his own father. He raises an army. He anoints himself as king, and he fights his own father. Eventually, it says, he was fighting with his father in a forest. The troops, the troops were fighting forest. And he was riding his little donkey, and his hair gets caught in a tree. And he's hanging by his hair. The donkey keeps on going and he's stuck hanging from a tree. Imagine by his hair. He says he was so proud of his hair. He had the most beautiful hair. He was the most handsome guy around. So the question that Baba asks is, listen, how is he hanging in his hair? He has a knife. He has a dagger. He has a sword. Why didn't he cut his hair? And fall down to the ground as well. Get away. He says an amazing thing. What does he say? He saw underneath him the fire of hell. He saw, he went, why, did he, why didn't he cut his hair and jump down? And the answer is because below his feet he saw the fire gain up. Because he realized, what I've done is so terrible. Where am I going to go? I'm, where am I going to run? How am I going to hide? I'm going to fall right into the netherworld. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Like, like Korach. Fell right in. So uh, he didn't cut his hair. Eventually they come and they kill him. Okay, so, but what happened to Hav Shalom? The rabbis say he never got into the next world. His soul was cut off completely. He died a death. That's the first category as a person who doesn't have a soul. His soul is cut off, does not live in the next world. Number two is those who do live in the next world, but they're Duma, they go into hell. That's second level. But we, it says, we'll be praising God in this world and in the future worlds. If our soul stays alive, we can praise God even more. So a person's praising God over here, a person should say, you know what? I want to praise God also when I'm 
past as well, also praise God. And on that, I'm going to create angels that praise God. So this way, there's thousands of angels created by a person praising God all the time. So that's why we say this in Hallel. It's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful. Okay, so. It's very, very important. So that's a very powerful praise. So Yaakov Inu says, Baruch Shem Kevod That's his praise. That the name of God should be praised. That's a very powerful prayer. So that is one basis for Shema Yisrael. Some people say Yaakov Inu wrote Shema Yisrael. It wasn't Moshe Rabbein, it was Yaakov Inu. Okay. So how, when do we say Shema? So the Torah says, Ubeshachbecha Ufkumecha. When you're lying down and when you are getting up. The Talmud says, that's twice a day. There's a mitzvah for the Torah say Shema. When you're lying down, which is in the evening, when it gets dark, and in the morning when you're waking up, which is the time to wake up. That's why there's a time limit on saying Shema in the morning, the time people wake up. And a person can say Shema up to midnight, ideally at night. But if not, you can say Shema all night. So that's a mitzvah. Those are the mitzvah. That's a mitzvah from the Torah. Say Shema twice a day. The rabbis added two more Shemas. They added an extra Shema in the morning, just one line, and they added an extra Shema in the night before going to sleep. There's two Shemas added extra by the rabbis. So we say four Shemas during the day. We say one Shema in the morning, early morning. We say another Shema in the prayers. We say one Shema in the evening prayers. And then we say one Shema before going to sleep. Four Shemas a day. And the reason for it? So the rabbis said we need protection before going to sleep. A person needs protection for going to sleep. And don't forget, the last thing you see, the last thing you say, leaves an impact on your subconscious when you're sleeping. So what better thing to say before you go to sleep as, here is our love, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. We believe in one God that goes into your mind, and all the mitzvot, love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, with your might, and so on and so forth. These are things that a person is going to think about when they're sleeping. In other words, I'm here because God put me in this world, I'm here to serve God. That's my mission in this world. And why in the morning? In the morning, there's two. One. Why two? So one in case you miss the next one, because the prayers are long. So there's, there's one right at the beginning of the prayers. So if, you, if you're praying late, you don't miss the time for Shema. There's two. So for example, on Shabbat, now we're here. Our service is starting at 45. By the time the Shema's end, it's already, yesterday was 8.43. Mm-hmm. So you're going to say Shema before you come. Do you say the full Shema or just the first one? Whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I did is full Shema. Why not? So it, it depends on the person. But really, the first paragraph is enough. Ashkenazim, the first line is enough as far as you. The Mitzvah of Shema is the first line. Shulchan says first line. Ashkenazim says first paragraph. And But if you, obviously, the more you say, the better. Women are exempt. Women are exempt. Why? It's a positive command which depends on time. But nevertheless, women should still say it because it's an affirmation of faith. And women also have to believe in one God. So there's no, they're not bound by time. Women are not bound by time. But they should still say it because it's an affirmation of faith. So Shema is very, very important. It's an affirmation of faith. That is really the roots of our faith. So the Kohanim also would say, when they brought the morning offerings, they would say Shema. The people in the, assembled in the courtyard, they responded to the Shema, Baruch Shem Kevod Machatol Lamba'ed. So now this Baruch Shem Kevod Machatol Lamba'ed is also not written in the Torah. It's not mentioned in the Torah at all. All we have is the Midrash about Yaakov Avidu saying it. And then there's another Midrash which says when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the Torah, he saw the angels praising God with Baruch Shem Kevod Makhotol Elam Ba'ed, and he came down to the people, he says, shh, say it quietly. Don't let the angels hear when you say Baruch Shem, because I stole it from them. 
So we don't let them get jealous, so we say it quietly. Except on Yom Kippur, because we are like angels. So on Yom Kippur we say it loud. So it's not in the Torah. It's interesting. Baruch Shem Kibod is not in the Torah. So it's from the Midrashim. It's from the Midrashim. And also from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says in the temple, they wouldn't say Amen on a bracha. What would they say? Baruch Shem Kibod. Right. Something like that. Something similar to that. Okay. So there are 248 words in the Shema. Write this down. 248 words in the Shema. Why 248 words in the Shema? Because there are 248 positive commandments in the Torah. And there are 248 limbs, bones in a person's body. As you can imagine, we are trying to fix the limbs of our body when we, when we do mitzvah. Every mitzvah has, corresponds to one bone in the body. Every mitzvah. So a person has a pain somewhere. <laughs> so the rabbi say, you know what? Every mitzvah is linked to a, a limb, a bone. So if you didn't do that mitzvah properly, that bone becomes weak. So every mitzvah is linked to the bone. Every word of Shema is linked to the mitzvah. And through that to the bones. So a person says the Shema properly, every word distinct are pretty fixing their bones as well. And they're elevating themselves. They're elevating their bodies to the service of God. That's the idea. 240 words, 248 limbs. I'm elevating my body to the service of Hashem. The Shema should be said loud so you can hear it. Right? You have to hear every single word of the Shema when you say it. And today, we, we, everyone says it loud. It's like in unison, in, in the Minyan, everyone says Shema together. This way, the whole community is accepting God together. Okay, so now, it's very important. There are f- three parts to our prayers, which if you didn't have intentions, you should go back and repeat them. One of them is the Shema. A person says Shema Israel. We just said it like a robot. He didn't think. Because didn't think. When the same Shema, what it means. Because got to think. That's why it's not good to say it fast. At least the first line should be said very slowly. Understand Israel. The Lord, the creator of the world, is my God. So I've got to say it with understanding. I'm accepting upon myself the yoke of God. That's what the Shema is all about. So that's why all Shema. Stops for a minute after. Say again. So that's why Shaliyah Tibor stops for a minute after saying it. Mm-hmm. To filter into his mind. Because he's got to filter into their mind what they're doing when they say Shema. Shema Israel, understand Israel. The Lord is my God. A person's got to actually think it. Hashem is my God. The Lord is one. I believe in only one God. And not only that, the rabbis say, when you say Echad, a person's got to think of a few things. Number one, the Aleph of Echad is unity, one. I believe in one God. The Chet is number eight. What does that represent? Seven worlds. And this world. Now, God is God in this world, and God is God in the seven <coughs> levels above. Sfirot. Ten spheres. Seven spheres. So Hashem is of God in all the eight dimensions. Oh, can I ask a question? Yes. You just said Sfirot. And, and what I understand Sfirot is that the Sfirot are God's energies played in the world. God's, well, you don't call it something Kabbalistic, but uh, the Sfirot basically are God's, it's a valve. To uh, allow God's energy to come into this world. In other words, Hashem's energy is so overpowering. If we got God's energy, we just collapse. It just blows up. So it's a valve system to allow the energy to trickle down into this world. But also it depends on what we do. Because there's different energies. So you do chesed, you get chesed. 
You do kindness, you get kindness. You do, you're rude to someone, you get rudeness back. Everything is triggered back. Mida, connected mida. What we do, we trigger things. We trigger different energies based on what we do. If we act nicely, we get nice energies. If we act badly, we get bad energies. So that's the trigger. That's the mechanism by which the, the energies come down. So a person got to, that's why we close our eyes. When saying Shema, you've got to close your eyes. Rabbi Nasi would put his hands in front of his eyes. That's what we do today. We put our hands in front of our eyes. My father told me to do, make a shin. Make a shin like this. And this is a dalit and this is a yud. So shin, dalit, yud on your hand like this. But most people just go like this. So okay. So the halakha is to close one, cover one's eyes and say Shema to have maximum kavanah. So even if you're walking down the street, say it's getting late, I want to say Shema. You're going to stop, not allowed to walk, close one's eyes and say Shema and then you continue. The first line you have to say with the eyes closed. The rest of it you can say walking and looking and moving around but not have to close your eyes. Just the first line. Because the first line needs extra kavanah. And therefore, a person does not have kavanah, the first line of the Shema, go back and do it again. Only problem, there's one problem. You're not allowed to say Shema twice. If you say God is one twice, that implies. <laughs> so what do you do? I didn't say Shema properly. That's what I do. I've got to say the whole paragraph and then go back and say it again. Right? I can't say the line twice in a row. I've got to go continue and then say the whole Shema, come back and say the first line again with Kavanah this time. You can't just repeat the line. Because like you're saying, God is one twice. And Dalit means? Oh, very good. Dalit is the four dimensions or four directions. Four directions of the world. So the Shukhan says to move your head. When, you think of, when you're saying Echad, Aleph is one, still. The Chet go up like this, seven dimensions above on this world. So move your head up and down. And the four directions, he says, go around with your head like this. <laughs> Shulchan Aruch. So just to bring it back to us that God is here. He's with me. Right? This, how do I do it? I symbolize it by moving my head. But he says, don't move your head like a cross. <laughs> that's a different religion. Okay? So that's the reason. But he says, move your head around to show that God is all around me. That's the idea. So this way it helps you remember, otherwise you're acting it out. I believe one God, up here, seven worlds, down here, and four directions, all directions. Okay, that's the Shema. That's the first, that's one thing that a person is going to do with Kavanah. It's the main part of our prayer. It's not really a prayer. It's an affirmation of faith. We're not asking for anything. We are just affirming we believe in God. Number two is the first paragraph of the, of the Shema Nasrei. Very fundamental. A person is going to know what you mean. You've got to say it with understanding. If you did not say that part with understanding, the Shulchan says you've got to go back and repeat the whole tefillah. Today we don't, because who says we're going to say it the second time properly? So there's no guarantees, and therefore we don't repeat it. But ideally, a person is going to make sure they do not pass those paragraphs, that paragraph, first paragraph, up to Magen Avraham, without Kavanah. And lastly is Modim Anach Nulach, the paragraph, Thank you, Hashem has to be said with Kavanah. Because when you say thank you, if you don't have your mind into it, it's not really worth anything. So saying thank you is very, very important. You say thank you properly, you'll get more. If you don't say thank you, you don't get. Very simple. It's like Derek Heretz. Right? A person goes to someone, they give him something, and say thank you so much, I appreciate it. Can more likely the person will give them something else. Huh? What is your word about? Can you say something? Thank you. Modim anachnu lach. 
Thank you. Thank you. No, no, it's part of the Shmona Esrei in the in the press. It's part of the Shmona Esrei. Can you show? Can you show? Rachel. Okay. Second paragraph. Second paragraph. Last paragraph in Amida, in every Amida, actually. When you have to bend. Okay. So we say when you say Shema, Rabbi Yudah Nasi says, cover your eyes to focus. And you can say Shema standing, sitting, any way you want, any posture. There's no limits. The posture you just can't say it. Say a person's uh, in bed. Don't lie on your back or on your front. Lie on your side and say Shema. But a Jew is not allowed to sleep on their back or in their front unless they are sick. Like I say, a person has a backache, they lie on the back. But so what do you do then? And the answer is turn slightly on the side and then you can say Shema. Because it's, 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 not, it's showing a lack of honor to God. It's even your back, is it? You're showing your, or you're showing your back to God. You know? So a person should be aware of Hashem even when they sleep. How are you aware of how Hashem when you sleep? It's how you sleep. <laughs> That's how you're aware of Hashem. It's amazing. Uh, these are hard. Can you imagine? You're sleeping in the middle of the night and you're subconscious. I can't lie on my back. I can't lie on my front. Hashem is here. So, so a person on their side says, the Rambam says, the first half of the night, your left side. In the second half of your side, night, you can turn your right side. But that's a more that's for medicinal medicinal purposes, because the the food digests on your left side, so it's good to sleep on your left side. But according to Kabbalah, it's also very important to sleep on your left side because your left side represents Deen, and you want the right side to be on top of the left side. So, the the Chesed should be on top of the Gvura. Anyway, these are Kabbalistic ideas, but it's interesting. Imagine even when you're sleeping, there's halacha. How to sleep? Imagine. How does a Jew sleep? How do you sleep? The answer is you don't sleep on your back, you don't sleep on your front, first half of the night on your left side, second half of the night, you can if you want, turn it away. Okay. So, whereas the Shemun must be said while standing up, the Shema can be said standing or sitting. For a long time, the Jews of Israel would stand for the Shema, because it was so important. It was an act of testimony as well. But in the ninth century, when the Karaites stood for the Shema and the Ten Commandments, the rabbi said, don't sit anymore. If they're st- standing up for the Shema, don't stand. We don't stand. We just sit. We can... Okay. Even though it's Balechta that's Halacha. Halacha is you can say the Shema in any posture as you want. That's what the Gemara says in Brachot. You can say Shema in any posture as you want. Just saying there were Minhagim to stand during the Shema, but you have to st- you ha- you're not allowed to move for the first Pasuk. But if you're sitting, don't move. If you're standing, don't move. If you're walking, stop. The first line is the time you have to have concentration, extra concentration. Okay, we are moving on. So the first paragraph of the Shema, we accept the yoke of divine rule. That's the first line. I accept God, you are my king, you are my God, Hashem. You're my only God, there's only one God. So we affirm God's unity, and we affirm Baruch Shem Kevod Machuto, we affirm that God is the king of the world. That's the first two lines. Unity of God, King of the world. Number two, the next pasuk, love of God. And then we talk about studying God's mitzvot. These words will be on your heart. The words of Torah will be on our hearts. Studying Torah all the time. The second paragraph moves on from principles of faith to action. Right? It talks about wearing the tefillin, putting mezuzot, and also teaching our children. All these are, are parts of the Shema. These are more practical parts of the Shema. And the third paragraph deal, means dealing with 
coming out of Egypt, and tzitzit, the mitzvah of tzitzit, which is the idea of tzitzit, is lo taturu don't go after your heart and your eyes. What do you mean, don't go after your heart and your eyes? Don't follow your yetzer hara. Don't follow the evil inclination, which is ignited by the eyes. Because first the person sees, and then they desire. So a person should not see to desire. Uh, the rabbis say, seeing is immorality, and desire, and at your heart is idolatry. Uh, again, the restrictions against idolatry and immorality. So, so women don't have the mitzvah. So, how are we supposed to take? That? So you have the mitzvah of remembering coming out of Egypt. That's the third paragraph. Right, but, but we say the mitzvah so we don't have it. Right. Why are we? Mitzvah? But it's also a mitzvah tefillin. The Shema is two two paragraphs talk about mitzvah tefillin. Uh-huh. You still say it. It's part of Torah. You get reward for learning Torah, whether you have a mitzvah or not. Today, there's many mitzvah in the Torah. We have no mitzvah, like going to the temple three times a year. We don't have a mitzvah, but we talk about it. So when you when you learn it, you get reward for it. So learning Torah is a mitzvah, a separate mitzvah, two separate mitzvahs. So every time you say Shema, even if you have no mitzvah to say it, you're getting a mitzvah of learning Torah. It's amazing. Yes? So you said the Shema isn't asking for anything. Right. <clears throat> but in the second paragraph, it's kind of a quid pro quo. It says, if you yes. do what yes. Hashem yes. wants, you'll... Yes. Get rewarded, yes. and if we don't, the land's going to dry up. Exactly, but you're not asking for it. You have to do it. You're not asking for anything. You're ju- it's an affirmation of faith. If I behave well, everything will go well. If I don't behave well, I should, it's going to be trouble. That's what the Shema is saying. It's a warning to people. If you do something well, you get rewarded. If you don't do something well, and we see it today, every time you don't do something well, bang. So that's what happened in Jewish history. See Jewish history. When Jews were behaving properly, everything's going well. Jews, that's the that's the benefit of learning the book of Judges. A Jewish, everyone, Jew, every Jew should learn the book of Judges because there directly you see causation of our deeds. Every time there's a, there's a, the Jews are going back to idolatry, there's trouble. So Hashem, and then they start praying to God, and God says, "I'll send you a savior, another shofet, another judge. He's going to save you." And again, it's the cycle. Then they do well for a few years, and everything's going well, and then again they go back to the idolatry and they get punished, and again and go. It's a vicious cycle. But that's what the, the Shema is saying. If you behave yourselves and you serve God and do the mitzvah, then all, you'll have your grass in your side. So the Rambam asked the question, where's Olam Abba? Why doesn't it tell us you'll get Olam Abba, you'll get the next word, you'll get paradise? Why does it say you'll get grass and you'll have, gra- you'll, have, you'll have rain and grass for your cattle? Who cares about that? It can be the big thing. <laughs> all the other religions promise you paradise. Where's paradise? So Rambam says the grass in your field and your cattle and money is not the main blessing. It's a blessing so that you'll be able to do more mitzvah. Because Hashem said, I'll give you an easy time in this world so you'll be able to do more mitzvah and this way you'll get a next world. So all the, all, the, all the blessings in this world are here just for one purpose. To enable us to give us the opportunity to do more mitzvah. Imagine. person is wealthy. Hashem said, I'm going to give you money now so you can do more mitzvah. So everything we have, we have to realize Hashem gives us this. Why? Now I can do more mitzvah. Now I have a car, and I can help people drive here, drive there, take people for rides, carry people's things. I can do mitzvot with it. I can bring people to Minyan. So anyway, so all these things are vehicles that Hashem gave us. All the blessings in this world are blessings for the purpose that we can serve God even better. But sometimes a person gets blessing and they don't serve God. So Hashem says, I gave you all this, but you wasted it. You wasted all this. So it's going to go somewhere else. Okay, so this is the Shema. Very, very important.
ideas. So the first paragraph emphasizes loving God, intensely love God. It's so hard to love God, to really love God. But if a person looks back on their life and thinks about what did God do for me, you know, wakes up today, he says, what did God do for me? What did you do to me today? What did I get from you today? So think about it. Number one is I'm alive. So I'm going to say, thank God, I'm alive. Because when you're alive, you have a chance to earn Olam Abba. It's, a touch of, it's like you're in the raffle. There's a raffle, but you're not even in the raffle. <laughs> when you're alive, you're in the raffle. Which raffle? The raffle for eternal life. That's a tremendous benefit. When we're alive, we have a chance. If we're not alive, there's no chance. So number one is our life. Number two, I think about this. Thank God I had good parents. Thank God I had good parents. You see what's going on around us, how many kids on the street, how many kids run away from home. Thank God. A person's got to thank God every time. If you think, even if your parents were bad, but you lived at home and you survived, thank God you had parents. Thank God. Thank God a million times. Certain things we take for granted. Thank God of a house. Thank God of a roof. Thank God of food. Thank God. There's so many things to thank God for. So now I can say, I love you, Asher, because look what you did for me. Right, so a person's got to think. So a lot of people don't think along those lines. They don't think. They don't have an attitude of gratitude. It's very important to have an attitude of gratitude and practice the gratitude to our own parents, physical parents. Say thank you to your parents. Thank you. But then Rabbi, say thank you. To the, uh, Shema before the Mordiani or after? After, after Birkata after Torah. After you say the blessing on the Torah, then you can say Shema. Before Birkata Torah, you shouldn't really say any uh, parts of the Torah. However, a person is really late in the morning. This doesn't apply to women. It applies to men. If they're really late for Shema, they should just say the, ver- the first line of Shema or the first paragraph without Birkata Torah. Because Birkata Torah, most people say, is a rabbinical law. Shema is a law taught from the Torah for men. So if that's for men. For women, say in order, Modiani, say the Birkata Shachar, say Birkata Torah, and then say Shema. Because Shema is important, not because it's a mitzvah for women, but because it has this principle of accepting God's yoke. So that's why it's so important to accept number one is who is my king, who is my God. First, you've got to always think, who is my God? Who do I believe in? What do I believe in? And the answer is we believe in a God who cannot be killed. We believe in a God that cannot be... Uh, <laughs> think about it. How many, how many religions there are that blame the Jews for killing their God? Like Abraham Avinu. He smashed the idols. You killed my God! But think about it. How can you kill God? <laughs> We're the only ones who have a God you can't kill. <laughs> it's amazing. Think about it. How can you kill God? How can anyone kill God? How many times Jews have been persecuted? Just yesterday, I don't even saw there's a video of a guy in, on London. It was on Friday. A guy on a London train. There was, there was a Jewish family there with yarmulkes on. And he was screaming at them with his... New, he opened the New Testament and says, You guys killed our God! But how can you kill God? Does it make sense to kill God? If he's a God, there was a beautiful story. Gidon. Gidon was one of the shoftim. What's a shofet? A judge. He's one of the judges. And uh, it says, God appear, the angel appears to Gidon. He says, Gidon, you're going to fight the Midianites. Go. He says, I can't. What are you talking about? We have no weapons. Go. God will do the work. Go. So he goes. But first he says, destroy your father's image of Baal. His own father worshipped idols. He worshipped the, the idol Baal. The father worshipped Baal. And to um, Gidon goes, and he smashes the idol of Baal. Next morning, the people of the town come to the father and say, "Listen, we got to kill your fa- your son. Your, your son killed our idol. He smashed the idol." So the father was a brilliant man. The father says, 
So let Baal look after it. Why are you worried about it? If, if Baal is a god, let him take vengeance. Why do you have to get involved? <laughs> if he's a god, let him do his own work. Why do you have to get involved with it? So that shut them up. Because I'm going to take vengeance from, for God. If God is a god, then let him take his own vengeance. Why did someone else have to take vengeance from him? Crazy. Uh, so anyway, we believe that God is a god. He's a true god. He can't, and we have to love God. How do we love God? And the answer is, we've got to find reasons to love God. What are the reasons to love God? Look what he gave for us. So we have to realize everything we have comes from God. And that is even our parents. If we had good parents, we're lucky. If we didn't have good parents, at least we're here. I think we can, we can fix things. We can do things. Thank God. We have children, grandchildren, whatever it is. It's a, we, have to, we have to appreciate everything we have. We have a good spouse. We have to appreciate everything we have. Okay, to love God intensely. To teach the Torah to our children. Teach the Torah to our grandchildren. Teach the Torah to our students. When it says to your children, it doesn't mean children, the rabbis say. It means your students. A person say, I have no children. Why don't I teach Torah to? Teach Torah to anyone. There's so many Jews today who don't even know Aleph Bet. If you know Aleph Bet, you're better than 90% of the Jewish people. I think they're 50% at least. <laughs> at least you can teach people Aleph Bet. So, you know, there was, a, there was a rabbinical conference, I think it was a Chabad conference, and they were talking to each other. Is it, uh, is it good for a rabbi to have a degree? So they came out, they said, no, you don't need a degree. You know why? Because even without a degree, we know so much more than all the Jews around us. You have professors in college don't know Aleph Bet. They're the ones who are anti-Israel, by the way. They don't know anything about Judaism, no, know nothing. So any regular Jew who knows Alabet is already better than most Jews and already can teach. So we could teach Torah at every possible occasion. To put tefillin on our hand and, and our head. To place mezuzah on the doorpost. This applies to men, men, women, and children. Everyone has to put a mezuzah. Why? How do we learn it? And the Torah says, Leman yirbu yamechem. They have long life. And everybody needs long life. So mezuzah gives us this ability to have long life in this world and the next world. And we'll continue next week. Okay, so question. Yes. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.